This is Live Well Talk on COVID-19 and its impact on school seniors. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unity Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Many traditions that come with the end of the school year have been canceled due to COVID-19. This can be especially felt by the high school seniors and college seniors who may feel they've had lack of closure as they transition into the next phase of their life. Join me to talk about this today is Craig Muskimmon, Manager of Children's Specialty Service at St. Luke's Hospital. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. It's good and to be here. In addition to Craig today, to make sure that he gets it right, <laughs> we have a special guest, Libby Arnold, who's my daughter, who's a senior at Xavier High School. Uh, she goes by Libby, but it's Elizabeth when she's in trouble. Welcome. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Craig, let, let's start with your, your background yeah. uh, as manager of ch- uh, child specialty services here uh, and, and what you oversee and what's your background in education and training, sure. et cetera. Let's start there. Sure. So my background at the Children's Specialty Services is um, I manage the outpatient child programs here at the hospital. So the LIFE program, which is a group outpatient therapeutic program for school-age kids, um, uh, who are experiencing mental health concerns, they come to us and I oversee those programs as well as the TIES program, which is a parenting program for kids 18 months, 18 months through six years old. And we also have um, a footprint within the Cedar Rapids School District for a variety of case management and um, other support networks for, for local schools. And has your volume of service increased with the pandemic decrease, stay the same? We are completely shut down because okay. of the nature right. of our services. Okay. Um, we provide group supports. Um, individual stuff is, is still able to, to happen, of course, virtually. But um, the nature of our services with the confidentiality issues, we are completely shut down at this time. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. You know, we think about the ORs and the mm-hmm. ERs and the clinics. We don't mm-hmm. think about some of these other outpatient programs that right. are vital to our community health. Now, let's start with... Uh, the, let's start with the, the sports. I know you like sports, right. and uh, Elizabeth plays uh, sports at Xavier. People had goals. They set goals. Mm-hmm. They trained. They were looking forward to their senior year, and just to have it taken away, right. not arbitrarily, but it's hard to uh, – I mean, if, if, if you tear your ACL, you can feel that. Mm-hmm. You understand why you're not participating. Mm-hmm. But this, you, you don't really feel it. You right. don't really feel what, what happened. So what, what, what are you, what's your advice? What, what are you seeing? Yeah, I, I guess a couple different things with that. I think the, the most important thing is to acknowledge that it's happening, right? And that's a very therapeutic way of putting it. But essentially, we want to sit in that emotion and realize we're losing out on what our expectations were for our senior year, whether that be sports, uh, whether that be graduation, whether it be the, the prom. There's lots of different things that serve as rites of passage towards the end of your, your high school um, senior year that signify this entry into adulthood. So you're right to be, you have a right to be upset, angry, sad about that. You know, we want to work our way through those stages of grief. I think that's the important part right away is to make sure that you're acknowledging that and not trying to deny those emotions and deny those feelings. The thing I think that also is important with this is don't do it alone. I mean, as a adolescent, there is a significant need to be social. I asked you, Libby, earlier what you guys are doing to stay connected. Um, we are in a great time, uh, technology-wise, where we can communicate with others uh, via a Zoom or Facebook or Instagram or whatever else there is. I'm not a social media guru, but there are a variety of ways where we can stay connected and grieve through these losses together with our peers that we have grown up with. So there is some commonality there that can certainly help. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting. Social media certainly has become an integral part of our mm-hmm. society prior to this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked on other podcasts about how 
what, what's the world going to look like from a from a virtual social media wow. standpoint uh, after this? Mm-hmm. And that, that will be interesting. Libby, what are some of the emotions you've experienced with missing out on, let's just start with your track season? Yeah, it was really difficult because at first we didn't know. Like we thought we would have a season or part of a season because the girls union released part of a schedule. So everyone kind of got their hopes up. We were training. Me and my sister were doing hurdle workouts. We, Our coach made um, PVC hurdles like out of pipes. Those are really fun to do with and work with. So we were just training and training, training. And then we found out it took me, it was really hard to realize. I like took me a while to even process it. And I was like, man, I don't feel good right now. I need to sit down because this is just like a lot of information. Like, I don't know what to do now because like sports have been so p- big part of my life. And I never got to close out my track season. So that was kind of hard to deal with. It's understandable. Now, personally, I'm, I don't have to buy a prom dress, so that's the upside <laughs> here. Yeah. You know that saves some money, so I'm happy about that, Libby. And uh, but but that all joking aside, we s- certainly understand this. The, the rite of passage, mm-hmm. uh, you don't. You, there is an issue with closure mm-hmm. that I, that I think you have. And I'll give some personal experience. My dad uh, passed away, and I, I missed out on a graduation ceremony mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. But there was there was a sense of no closure. Sure. You know, and uh, I think I think that's true. I think that's very true. And I think the important part um, that we forget as adults is that this is the entirety of, in Libby's example, this is 18 years of her life. This is 100% of her existence has been a child. And so there is these rites of passage that go along with all of these different things from prom, from track, from graduation that just got wiped out in a matter of a few days, essentially. So there's a process to that, to, to kind of coming to grips with that. Yeah, Libby... Uh... What, what do you think? I know you have, because you live with a physician, you hear about COVID-19, you hear about the virus, you, you ask questions. And, uh, but what, what about your friends? Do you, do you, do you think they understand the, the significance of the virus and the need to social distance uh, and to, you know, not to overuse the phrase, flatten the curve? Do they appreciate that or, or are they just kind of lost in a, a sense of wonder of why this is happening? I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I mean, I have friends that are like, I miss you. I can't see you. I need to stay home. I, we need to get this over with so maybe we can have a graduation ceremony. And then there's others mm-hmm. who are completely oblivious to what's going on, still hanging out with friends, still going out. And I'm just kind of like, from a senior standpoint, why? Because like the se- all the seniors are like, we got to stay home. We got to like be in quarantine because we still want to have that closure. And some people don't follow that. Some people do. And it's just kind of hard because like you can't control everyone. And not everyone has the same thought process that a senior does. Do you think they appreciate? I've always uh, been uh, respectful of like snow days, right? Because you have to make that decision ahead of time. Mm -hmm. You're dependent on other people for the information, Mm -hmm. the meteorologists, the forecasters. uh, And you you want to err on the side of safety, but then you don't want to be the proverbial boy who cried wolf, right? Mm -hmm. So I I think that's a tough call. Do you think some of your classmates are maybe in denial the the first stage of what's the first stage denial yeah denial uh that this is happening oh definitely there's i've had some friends that can't even put their cap and gown on because that they're not ready to have uh at home graduation mm-hmm. everyone some people still have their hopes up that we'll have this graduation ceremony maybe not may 24th maybe june 24th maybe july 24th right. but some people have already had that closure. They've submitted their cap and gown picture and they're like, all right, let's go to college. But there are some that are like, especially me who haven't had that closure yet and aren't ready to like put high school completely behind. Craig, what, what are some warning signs that a parent should take away from this to say, you know what, I don't think my 
son or daughter is coping with this. Right. So, so what we want to look for there is if they're not moving through things appropriately, right? So, so there's, we always rely on the parent to be the expert of the, their child. And so what we're looking for is dramatic shifts. So, you know, some generic ones that we put down are, are maybe eating too much or not eating enough, uh, dramatic changes in sleep patterns, long moments of sadness or, or high anxiety type behaviors. The general rule before, I would say, was a lot of times they'd say dramatic changes that last for two weeks. That was something that we always kind of talked about. I think with our current situation, what I tell parents is if you're concerned, you call someone. You call a support. You call a source, whether that's if you work at the hospital, you call EAP. Um, you call your pediatrician. You call uh, uh, someone that's familiar with um, behavioral health services. I think that's what you err on because it is such a unique time in our history. And I, I think that's the... Let, let me stick to the medical side here. The diagnostic capability, or diagnostic pathway is going to be confused because now you're starting to have stir craziness mm -hmm. of being inside, mm -hmm. which is going to cause abnormal patterns Absolutely. of behavior from that standpoint. Yeah. You've talked about working through it as a group. They're not alone. Mm -hmm. um, what are some advice you give to the parents that they don't think their child is in trouble and they might be dealing with it, but they want to preserve some degree of functionality right. to them and, right. and, and help them? Short of getting counseling, what are some things that a parent could do? Absolutely. And I guess I, the first thing, and this is actually more of a conversation I've been having with folks as the, the pandemic has gone on, is parents reaching out and asking that very similar question. I think the first thing you can do is really kind of take yourself back to when you were an adolescent, right? To an adult, hearing Libby talk about track is probably not the biggest thing in the world when we know, you know 59,000 people have passed away. But to an adolescent, that is a gigantic thing. That is her world. And so it's important to respond to that in an appropriate manner. We would call it empathy. Um, really trying to make sure you're understanding where she's coming from. My quick thing that I like to say is empathy is not an agreement, right? So we're not agreeing that that's the most important thing in the world. And I'm putting words in your mouth. I don't intend to do that. But I think um, it's just important to acknowledge this stinks. This is affecting all of us. I'm really sorry that you're having to go through this. And acknowledging that, that this is a dramatic thing. Um, I think that's, that's where you want to start, is making sure that, that you're meeting them where they're at with an empathetic response and trying to understand their point of view. Yeah, I, I think there's a tendency, particularly the old school parent, mm -hmm. that buck up and deal with it. Right. And that may not always be the best approach. And I want to say, some kids, that works. You've talked about how you have kids that already have taken their pictures and, and things like that. They're way ahead of that process, right? Because they... Maybe they had a parent that did that. Maybe they're just more advanced in dealing with that. But some, it's not going to work. You know, you can't bring a cookie-cutter response to something like this. You know, I've always said my, as a physician, my relationship with parents, there's two, two models. You're, you either have a paternal relationship with your patient where you tell them what's best for them, <laughs> and, they, and they want that. Right. You know? And then other times it's a fraternal mm -hmm. where you, it's a joint decision. You, you come to the agreement or the consensus on what the treatment's going to be or right. what, what the next step medically together. And, and there are patients that want that, yeah. you know, and I, I think what you're describing is there, this is one of those situations, parenting, where you kind of have to do both, yeah. be paternal, but also be, be a friend and a brother or sister to your child, just to, just to, like you said, empathy, not agreeing with it, but right. just being empathetic. That's, yeah. And, and you're just, you just said it, doctor, um, you're kind of replacing all of these roles that they maybe would be able to get in person when their social life was normal before this pandemic. So you we have to think on the fly of how we want to do this. I also encourage parents to gain control by letting go. Um, this is a time where we want to really tighten everything up. We want um, schedules to be rigid. We want them to follow all of our rules, do things like that. This is an opportunity for you to kind of 
let go of some stuff. Social media is a perfect example. This is a way to stay connected with their friends. So let's relax maybe our limits that we previously had before the pandemic. Let them kind of have more time with that. Setting schedules. I, I know there's probably online learning that's happening. Um, some schools get to determine, the students get to determine when they're doing it. If you want to do it at 10 o'clock at night, some parents might struggle with that. But I would suggest if we can trust they're getting it done, let them do it at 10 o'clock at night. Gain control by letting go. I, now, let's, let's talk about this. First of all, I, when these... Uh, Libby and Emma started going to school, and I saw the need to that they would do so much on the computer, mm-hmm. right? And I would think about my own childhood, how we wouldn't have had the resources to have something right. like that. We wouldn't have probably had Wi-Fi, et cetera. So I, I worry about that mm-hmm. when I when I see them, and I think about there, there's there's probably kids out there that don't have access to Absolutely. social media. They don't have access to you know a nice iPad, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what advice would you give those parents? That's a tough question. That I is know a that. tough question, you know, because what you're bringing in there is a lot of different socioeconomic factors, right? In this day and age, to not have Wi-Fi probably brings in a, a whole bunch of other stuff. What my advice would be is school is still happening. You know, it's, it's very, very different, um, but it's still happening. So reach out to those school people that you've reached out to when, when things were normal and talk to them. What can I do? I don't have Wi-Fi. Are there packets that I can do? Are there um, um, different activities, different ways of structuring the day? It's all going to be kind of based on their age and developmental level. Right, right. Um, you know, the younger kids, that what I've noticed is the more structure their day can, can have, the better they're going to be behaviorally because they can anticipate. You think of young kids, they have no control over anything in their life, what time they eat, any of that stuff. So if we can give them something that's predictable, it really gives them a sense of um, a relief. Uh, older kids, you know, it's kind of the opposite. They, they do have more control over those things. But I think that's the great the the best place to start is reaching out to the school and and just explaining what you just did and say what are my options because of our current situation. Yeah, I mean we found in medicine you can ignore the social determinants of healthcare as as a physician, but they're still there. Yeah. And they will impact the outcome right. for that patient. So it, right. you can either acknowledge them and try to embrace them. You might not be able to fix them, mm-hmm. but you can at least embrace it and try to come up with a, a treatment plan for that patient that, that, that factors in that. And I think that's the same for children in, in, in this time they're going through now. And, and you're right, that structure is hard because it's, it's not like we've said, okay, we're going to do this May 1st, bam, we're back to business exactly. as usual. Uh, it's like, well, you know, we'll see. And I think that's such a hard premise is we, nobody knows, you know, so kids look to parents yeah. for guidance. Well, we have no idea. You know, you're in a unique position where you're maybe ahead of most on this because of your role. But even with that, we're still kind of waiting for information to come down the pipe that's going to determine. Well, what and it's do. kind of like so, Libby. When I say we'll see, uh, when you ask for something, what what does that usually translate to? A big no. Yeah, and I, I think I think as parents, we're in the we're the state. The governor is telling us we'll see, and th- th- you're right that lack of control, mm-hmm. Craig. And I think the teenagers are experiencing that as well, mm-hmm. and as parents are experiencing. And so what are we telling our kids? We don't know what's happening, but we do know you can't go anywhere. Right. You can't do what you're normally used to doing. So there's this these converting messages that are really tricky. Yeah. And now especially it's an invisible yeah. Uh, yeah. you know virus, yeah. uh, uh, invisible enemy. But this is really great information. Uh, Libby, do you have any parting words or advice for uh, your friends uh, in this time of uh, uh, social isolation, social distancing? That uh, we'll be okay and we'll get through it and that we just do our part and stay quarantined. Hopefully we all can go to college soon. Oh, that's good advice. Craig, thanks for taking the time mm-hmm. to do this. It's great information. And it's I always enjoy these podcasts that 
are outside the 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 mainstream medical talks. Yeah. Because I think there's, like I said, these have such an influence on care and outcomes. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm glad that we appreciate in this day and age. Once again, that was Craig Niskimen, manager of Children's Specialty Service at St. Luke's. For the most up-to-date information on COVID-19, visit our website at unionpoint.org or the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention website at cdc.gov. If you have a topic you'd like to suggest for the COVID-19 pandemic, please uh, uh, shoot us an email at stlukescr at unipoint.org. In the meantime, wash your hands, cover your cough, and confine yourself if you're ill, and uh, practice social distancing.